Welcome back to Death Watch's Call of Cthulhu campaign, Descent into Darkness Season 2. This is episode 27, and last time we left off, Dr. Andrews was laying low in one of Whitmire's safe house with the lawyer James Clark, trying to evade the Dark Hunter, while Mr. Monroe and Mr. Whitmire had gone to explore the dream surrounding the mound and we left them in a very precarious position. With Dr. Call. Yes, with with the good Dr. Call. Before we get back into that, I'll have the investigators introduce themselves. I'm Brandon playing Dr. Andrews. Um, As he said, currently holed up, trying to hide or escape from the Dark Hunter, who's either trying to kill me or the lawyer. I'm Justin, I'm playing Lance Monroe who right now is trying not to crap his pants while staring at an ancient evil deity. (laughs) John playing James Whitmire, and I'm also in front of this ancient evil. Okay, so our scene opens up in this warehouse that Whitmire had deposited. Dr. Andrews, the lawyer James Clark, and your guardian angel, Mr. McCracken who you can see stands at the door with his shotgun ready, Dr. Andrews. <laughs> and you're looking at your timepiece. Do you carry a, a timepiece? Yeah, a watch. Probably couldn't be a doctor if you didn't have one. Yeah. And you can see that it's it's past midnight, about 1230. You, you're starting to feel tired as the adrenaline from the events, your flight from the Dark Hunter is leaving your body, but... You're not quite ready to go to sleep yet because you're concerned about James Clark, whose wound had torn open in the flight from the Dark Hunter. So you've been tending to him, and you're sitting there at this moment. And let's begin with both a luck roll and a power roll. I failed both of them. See that? (laughs) Okay. So, can I also please have a hard spot hidden roll? Hard Ooh, success. You did it. Nice. Very nicely done. <laughs> okay, so one of the things that's happened to you ever since your flight is you can't keep your eyes from darting around the room looking at for some point of darkness to begin forming because you know these things can travel in this strange manner. That's part of why also why you haven't been able to sleep is because you can't just is that corner okay? Is that corner okay? And so you've been doing that and Sure enough, you see the telltale signs of the Dark Hunter. And when you last checked your timepiece, it was 12.45 a.m. 
But there it is. McCracken's not aware of it yet. James Clark is uh, sleeping, and this dark point forms to the size of a fist. What did you want to do? Well, so I'll shout out to McCracken. There it is. And uh, start shaking Clark awake. Okay. So McCracken swings his gun around, but from your perspective, it's sort of weird looking. It's like he did it at halftime, like half speed, right? Mm. Like he was stuck in molasses. Even the ex- the change of expression on his face happens in a slower time. But that's pushed out of your head as you turn your attention to James Clark and begin shaking him awake and his eyes snap open and you can see the shape, the size of the portal growing. Mr. Monroe, remember, you're... I remember. <laughs> <clears throat> it was a ritual that took some time. Yep. Okay. So you have another action. You've gotten James Clark awake. He's totally confused. Yeah, so I'll just like say, it's here, it's here, and I'll start dragging him okay. up to his feet towards the door. All right, so you make it over to the door just as this thing steps out. Once again, that's some combination of ape, crustacean, mm. insect. You're not sure. It's disturbing to look into the portal. You You have a natural instinct to avert your eyes, of course. You could continue to do that if you wish. Yeah, I want to see what else what else is back there. <laughs> okay. All right, give me a, a sanity roll. Failure. Ouch. All right, so that's a uh, 1d6 on a failure. Ouch. <laughs> that's... That would launch you into a temporary bout of madness, but in your case, since this wasn't a spell or a book, this was the sight of a monster. You actually have the opportunity by failing an intelligence roll to ignore that. <laughs> you make all the necessary connections. You've, you've come to understand this link to alternate realities. And that's what it's like staring into the, this thing. It's like a, a, a faceted prism where when you look into one side, you see all these reflections to infinity, these fractal infinity infinite reflections and there you see you recognize yourself but different you know different haircut different style of clothes Mm -hmm. some cases doing things that you can't even put into words you know like behaviors that don't seem to fit into the human experience but beyond that you also see a widening expression of yourself that you recognize to be the version of you that first saw the dark hunter appear in the basement of that university mm. and you're maybe calling out a warning or something to yourself no get out of there <laughs> give up the mission go on and be a family man again whatever it is right yeah but it doesn't matter it didn't seem to hit it but it's this knowledge of insignificance given the large number of views that seem to be out there and perhaps a stripping away of some fundamental belief of who you are because you're seeing things that you couldn't possibly do Mm-hmm. It goes against your moral standing. And uh, that's what shakes you to the core and sends you into a bout of temporary madness. Now, since you're on your own, these don't happen in real time. There's not another player character around. These just go into a summary of what happens. So you're going to be plunged into this and wake up sometime later. Oh, okay. If, in fact, you do wake yeah, up. Yeah, if I wake up at all. So let me just see what that will be. All right. So yeah, uh, your your mind just blinks. You 
it takes you to some space where all reality flees from you and <laughs> you lose sense of time and self and the scene fades there. Oh, I was kind of hoping to see a dark hunter battle one <laughs> against the other. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> or something of that nature. Yeah. Okay. So now let's see what, let's get a luck roll from you, Mr. Monroe. Oh, starting out with the hard ones, huh? Actually, never mind. Never mind. Let's get it from you, Dr. Andrews. Just one more luck roll. Hard luck? No, just normal. Uh, my luck has failed. Your luck is not in. <laughs> All right. You want me to make a luck roll? No. Oh. Not yet, anyway. Okay. All right. So in some distant place in the south central part of the United States, far west from where you are, in a dream version of it, perhaps, within past the procession hall between the columns into the dark space is Mr. Whitmire and Mr. Monroe. We did something dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and you're standing before the might of Zagua, who's yep. just sleeping <laughs> where he's perched <laughs> there. And from this basin came, what is it, a guard? You don't know. It's formless and it's flowing across the ground. And the way it moves and bubbles and creates tendrils, is there's like some unknown powerful action of yeast going on, uh, the way it just bubbles forth. But it's coming across the uh, floor at you, the two of you, and Dr. Call at an almost languid pace. So uh, I think, Whitmire, you're our fastest. Is that correct? I believe so. With the dex? You got a 70. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that beats Monroe. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got to begin with the sanity roll. I know you did the one for Sathagua, but you have not done one for his formless guard. But you succeed... Me as well? Yes. Might as well get it out of the way. Okay. So on a success with one of these things, you only lose one point of sanity. I'm just death by a thousand cuts here. Mm -hmm. And it disturbs you in the way, uh, if you've ever seen certain ocean life does, where it's, it's just so far removed from the line of evolution that produced humans that it's just weird to look at. Uh, but you guys hold it together. So yes, Mr. Whitmire, you're standing there. I believe you have you have brought your knife and your bread and your water skin and mana with you and the clothes that you had conjured up in the dreamlands. But other than that, you don't have a weapon. What would you like to do? All right. So I'm going to call out behind me that we, we've got to go back, move back. And I'll start moving, like uh, walking backwards. Back towards the procession hall? Yeah. So Dr. Call has not completely lost his mind, and he hops to it at your suggestion to move back, and he starts to run out of that area, leaving the two of you initially. <laughs> Mr. Monroe? I'm going to follow him. I'm fleeing my, myself out of there. Just barely caught myself from letting on a stream of experiment. Of, uh, All right. <laughs> so this uh, languid movement of this thing was a deception. This is now it lurches across the floor and begins to form many different appendages that stretch out at you. And we'll say it's you, Mr. Monroe, that it targets first. That's okay. why you never run. <laughs> so one of these tendrils uh, ropes towards you, but it, it misses. Okay. Uh, you, it was 
you just ducked under it or it misjudged or something and it goes across your head. Uh, you can smell like an acrid stench as the air from its movement wafts past you. But it also has another attack, which will go for Dr. Call. Or Dr. Call. And so its other tendril that it shot out wraps around Dr. Call's waist, and there's this smoking, burning scent that fills the scent of burning flesh as it's wrapped around his waist. And you see the clothes he was wearing suddenly pulls apart where that tendril's wrapped around him, and he starts screaming. Back to you, Mr. Whitmire. Uh, I'm going to shout out now that it you've we've got to wake up and I guess I'll uh, attempt a dreaming if I can to try and bring myself out of this. Yeah, go for it. You only need a regular success. The state of panic you're in uh, makes it impossible, but I'll allow you to do some other movement if you'd like. So what would be the consequence if I pushed it? Losing your... You understand, like that, your lucid sense of this dream and fully succumbing to its reality, mm. which uh, would infer that you would lose the ability to wake yourself up if you failed it. I can always try again next turn, right? Not if you. Oh, you mean with the dreaming roll? Yeah. yeah. Okay. If you don't push it. Yeah, I'll. Uh, so yeah, I'll just continue to to back away. Okay. Yeah, you're not. You can't really tell if. It's ignoring you because you're moving in a more stately fashion than the other two or what's going on. But it does seem to be flowing past you after Mr. Monroe and Dr. Call. So that brings us to you, Mr. Monroe. Um, so I'll try to do the same dreaming check and. Ah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, I'll wake myself up. And, and as I yell back to Dr. Call, remember, it's just a dream. Right. Well, for the rest of you guys, he disappears out of out of that area, and then you wake <laughs> panting in your room. So let's see if Dr. Call can manage it. He needs an extreme power roll, Oof. which he did not get, but he continues his flight down the procession hall, and this thing flows after him, battering him with one of its tendrils again and again. Well, it's not doing good. But Dr. Call's evading him. Now, for you, Mr. Whitmire, you've been keeping an eye on uh, Mighty Zagua, where he sleeps for all time. And you can see the irises rolling around. They're unfocused. They're not looking at anything in the room. But then, as they roll past you, give me a luck roll. Dang. They seem to focus on you for one terrible second. <laughs> and that maw of of zagua's opens and it opens kind of like a, a like a flower in a way so it's not just a mouth that opens how our mouths open but it has another opening so it's it's like a three leafed opening to its mouth and you see a prehensile tongue dart out all the way from where it's at to where you're at and it tries to grab at you Oof. how do we do what how would you like to respond to that uh, what are my options? Well, you could try to fight back in some way, or you could just simply dodge. Now, remember, fighting back, you have to achieve a higher level of success, so you would need an extreme success. In order to dodge, you would just need a hard success. I'll try and dodge it. Okay. Oh, nice. Nice. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we may not always get the roles, but we seem to get them when <laughs> we need them the most. Uh, when yeah, so when it, it hits uh, the fan. That's when uh, start to get lucky. <laughs> right. So it you just slip. It gets you for one second. Uh, it was going to wrap around your body, but you moved out of the way, and it only tangled up with your arm. But you slip out of you know its slimy grasp, and you're moving in another direction, which brings us to your turn again, Mister Whitmire. So I wonder if I could summon Father here, watch a god battle. <laughs> You mean with your dreaming skill? Yeah, I don't think it's that high yet. All right, (laughs) so I'm going to try and wake up again. Okay. Not this time. All right. And you hear the retreating screaming of Dr. Call as he's uh, making his flight down that procession hall, being pursued by the formless guard. And this god, this toad-like creature, which stands maybe three times your height, whips out its tongue again. Had a regular success, so so with that, that tongue wraps a hold of you, and you're squeezed. It's squeezed around your waist, and it's not begun to retract yet. Push a dodge roll. You can't push the combat rolls like dodge or your fighting. The uh, theory is that you get an opportunity to try something again on your next round, but it is your action. In order to free yourself from this, you'll need an extreme strength or dex roll. Um, or some other brilliant idea. Try and wake up again. Okay. All right. I'll use luck to finish that. Eighteen. Uh, yep. Okay. So your eyes snap open in the the storeroom, and you're free of the threat of Zagua. We should have gotten Doctor Call to get us into the asylum before we brought him here. <laughs> now, in that same time. Mr. Monroe, you had only just gotten up to to try to wake Dr. Call. Yeah. And, or whatever you wanted to do, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been my next step would be to wake him, not realizing that Jimmy is actually just downstairs in my storage room. (laughs) (laughs) Sleeping on the floor. (laughs) I crawled up into some shelves. Oh, okay, yeah. Still in my storage room. (laughs) Is when you come in and there's a busted statue of this uh, Zagwa on the floor, I think maybe you'll get it. Yeah. All right, All right let's see so. what happens to Dr. Cole when you wake him. So he wakes up. When you wake him up, he wakes up screaming, and his eyes are completely unfocused on his surroundings. He doesn't recognize you, and he begins to go through the motions as though he's still within the dream, fleeing from this black liquid nightmare okay so do i um, hear the screaming from yeah the you stage? hear a faint screaming from the apartments yeah so yeah I'll, I'll stand up and step back ready to try and catch him if he tries to do anything that would hurt himself but give him space yeah you know it can be a little bit dangerous to try and hold someone that's flailing like that well that's what he does is he pops up and he's starting to run in some direction okay yeah i'll i'll try and you know, just get in his way. Okay. Not necessarily try and grab him or anything, but just stay in his way. Yeah, he he's a heavy set man. He's just starts to pull his way past you. Yeah. And uh, without some particular effort, then he just does push you to the side. Yeah, I'll keep calling his name. Um, can I do like a psychology role to try and get his attention, or some some role to try and 
figure out how I might be able to snap him out of it. Like he, he's not a woman, so I can't slap him like, <laughs> like Dr. Andrews does, but <laughs> well, he's hysterical. Actually, he is, so he is kind can. of a hysterical old man, so I might be able to. Yeah. So yeah, you can, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try and give him one good slap. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you, uh, before he gets past you, you, you wind up your hand and strike him across the face and it does seem to have the intended effect. And, uh, he still has that horrified expression, but his eyes focus on you, and he's like, uh, Mr. Monroe, what has happened? Are we okay? Is it gone? I'll say, like I like I'd said before, it was a dream. It only happened within the dream, and while there was some danger associated with it, you're fine. You're back in my apartment. Everything is okay. You're okay. Check yourself. <laughs> feel, feel where you... You had felt that it had hurt you and, and verify that you're okay. Yeah, he uh, runs his hands over his body, pausing for a moment on his jaw, which he rubs from your slap. And <laughs> uh, and you can see he has like these dark circles under his eyes, like very pronounced that you hadn't noticed before. But you might expect from your own experience that yeah. this damage you receive seems to take a toll on you uh, mentally when you wake up. Yeah. So who knows? He was probably torn asunder or something, and that has taken a cost on him. But he's like, yes, I I guess I am okay. I dare say that was the most frightful experience I've ever had. Yes, uh, I can agree with you there. That, that was uh, quite the experience. And I must congratulate you, good sir. This is your first true <laughs> encounter with, with a, a dark entity that, that we've uh, been researching and learning about. Well... Thankfully, it was only in dreams. Very much so, yes. <laughs> do you have anything to drink, Mr. Monroe? <laughs> uh, yes, good man. Yes, I certainly do. And I'll go get a bottle of uh, gin. All right, Whitmire, what's your move? Uh, I'm going to head upstairs. There's a figure there probably up there hearing the screaming. Yeah. yeah. You, Either that or there's you're at a, the top. a hysterical woman that needs to be slapped. <laughs> <laughs> you're at the top of the steps when... Uh, the screaming stops. So you're right outside the door. All right. So hey, I'll just, uh, I'll check the door and see if it's unlocked. It would have been locked. It but... is locked. You're going to pick it open real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I might as well give it a try. Yeah. yeah so I'll pop How'd it open do? and walk in Yeah. and say, uh, that was a, a rather frightening experience. Wouldn't you say? Ah, uh, good. You're okay as well. Why? Uh, I thought I locked I'm that okay. door. <laughs> Why wouldn't I be? I thought I locked that door. Kind of scratched my head and said, well, uh, Dr. Call has come out a little bit worse for wear, but otherwise it seems as if we've succeeded on what we had originally gone to do in investigating that area. Well, I I would prefer that we stay away from that area. As, uh, one, one DD is enough. As now we're up to two. I don't really want to meet a third. Well, I doubt there, there's a third one out there. I don't know. Well, there's many well, what other What do we do from here, gentlemen? Well, for the rest of this evening, I suggest we all try and get some actual sleep and rest tonight. I, I think it would do us all well. Gentlemen, if you don't mind, I, I am feeling rather exhausted and could use my bed and some real sleep. Uh, it's good to see that you both made it out okay. Was, uh, I think that, that that's a great idea, though. And uh, 
I'm going to go back down and get back up in that rack <laughs> and sleep there. <laughs> uh, yes, Mr. Monroe, I don't mean to impose, but I, I don't think I would sleep very well in that big house of mine all by myself. You don't mind if I take your couch for not, the rest of the evening? Not at all, good sir. And he gulps down the rest of his drink. All right, so with that, you guys retire for the night. And as far as you, it goes for you, Dr. Andrews, you just have the most wonderful, comforting dream <laughs> of, you know, your wife and your daughter doing something. They, they were taken by the flu. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Doing, you know, some family, very domestic thing. That's the furthest point removed from your experience recently. This knowledge, growing knowledge of a, a cold world in which you're insignificant. Yeah. But you wake some hours later, you can see the uh, the light from the morning sun creeping into this warehouse, and Mr. McCracken and James Clark are nowhere to be seen. Is this the, this is where I was? Yeah. The same warehouse? Okay. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> well, guess I'll get up and start looking for any evidence of where they might have went. Okay. Do I remember what had happened? Before I went insane? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you uh, you look around the room and you see like signs of hasty departure. There was a table near where McCracken was sitting with his shotgun and it's been tipped over. The door into this area was left open. And then you see the discarded shotgun on the ground outside of the door. Mm. But Well, I'll pick that up. Okay. <laughs> You don't want to just discard shotguns. That's true. And then you remember you were dropped off here by Whitmire. Mm -hmm. You can't recall if there was another car. You think maybe McCracken came in his, but it's gone now. Okay. So, all right. So, how big is this building? Uh, it was it was pretty big. It was like a a pure warehouse. Okay. And you guys were just in a portion of it, like a a space used for the dock master or something like that to do his paperwork and whatnot okay. is where you guys are bent. So when you leave the room, you go out into the warehouse and then they have these big open bay doors on the other side. All right. Um, yeah. So I guess I'll just, you know, search around for any sign, any blood, anything like that. No. Yeah. You don't find blood or any sign of that. The dark hunter got a hold of anybody. Anywhere in the warehouse or up to the street. Okay. Is there any people around? There's a sparse amount of people, you know, other workers on their way to this dock seems to be unused currently this pier, but there are workers walking towards other ones, okay. longshoremen. And McCracken's car is gone? Yes. Well, I guess, you know, at this point, if I'm going to have to hoof it somewhere so I can... Trying to make it back into town. You still are in town. You're just Home along anyway. the banks of a river, yeah. Is this a full-size shotgun? Yeah. yeah. I can't really be walking around with that, so I'll just <laughs> stash it somewhere. Okay. And I guess I'd want to make my way somewhere. Like, do I have any injuries? No, you don't. Not any new ones, new anyways. One? Okay. Well, I just guess I'll head back to where I, where I was staying so I can try to... Send some telegrams to get a hold of people. Okay. Yeah, when you get back to the hotel you were staying at, there's actually a telegram waiting for you 
from Betty Williams, mm. which she describes that she, uh, she had gone off to confirm who the professor was. And she can confirm it was Ronan Jarvis who had that public disagreement with William Murrow Jr. Mm. during one of the classes. Uh, she says he was the head of the anthropology department and he had a reputation for being boorish and stuffy, but apparently the two of them got into it very publicly and uh, he was shamed in front of his whole class. Uh, she mentions that she saw Cole Bishop at the barn by chance when she was going across the campus and she was going to wait around to see if she could talk to him. She had described him as the fr as a, you know, he's a freshman and he was a bit of a follower. Mm-hmm in your past conversations. So she was going to ask him about Murrow Beckett. Okay. But other than that, you don't have any other telegrams at your place. All right. Uh, well, yeah. So then I guess I'll just, um, you know, try to send some to Whitmire and Monroe. Say so, yeah, something happened. I'm not sure what, but McCracken's gone. Clark's gone. I'm not sure what to do. So, yeah, we can say that you guys get that, telegram upon waking and preparing for the day which it is sunday sunday june 19th i believe man i missed a whole day maybe it's the 18th okay so i'm guessing that uh annette brought it up to me or probably as soon as we came down yeah she had it then of course we're heading off to was it a flanagan's oh for your morning for morning breakfast and yeah yeah, that's what you guys usually do, but you get that telegram from Dr. Andrews describing that there had been an event last night, but he's not sure of its outcome. Okay. Um, well, we have quite a bit to share with him as well, so I guess we, we should try and... go pick him up. Do our normal meeting. Did you actually sleep in my... Yeah. Okay. Nice storage room. This so I'll... The, yeah. I'll, <laughs> this is also since I don't know where safe houses. <laughs> <laughs> Since I don't know where your safe houses are, I'd ask you if you could go pick him up as, and meet at O'Flanagan's for breakfast. Yeah. As, oh, Lafferty's. Uh, oh, Lafferty's. Lafferty's, not yeah. Flanagan's. Well, we're, we're going to O'Lafferty's. He's going to O'Flanagan's. <laughs> yeah. As, but yeah, that's I'm going to suggest that as well. That, uh, you know, maybe get some coffee in, uh, in Dr. Call and uh, maybe some brandy. And I'll go pick up Dr. Andrews, and we'll meet you at uh, the normal, the normal yeah, actually, restaurant, not Flanagan's. Yeah, he would have been at his his hotel, so he probably could have gotten to Flanagan's on his own. Yeah, yeah. or Lafferty's. Was a telegram you guys to say that he that's where he's. Yeah, that's okay. where we always meet, right? Well, yeah. I was so asking, like, does it say that you are at your hotel? Because I was assuming that you were still at the safe house. Well, yeah, I would have said that I woke up alone. I don't know where, um, m what's McCracken or Clark are. And so let's meet at the Lafferty's or whatever. Okay. And, uh, I'll just tell him that we should, yeah, let's just get in my car and we'll go down, go down and meet him. Sounds good. All right. So we zoom to O'Lafferty's. To our usual spot in the corner near a window where you can watch the traffic on the street. And you are all gathered around the table, including Dr. Call, who seems pleased to finally be at one of these breakfasts. 
with you all <laughs> as he's tried from day one. You see what you have to, to come go to these meetings, right? <laughs> yeah, he he passed the test. He is he's uh, gone face to face with an ancient evil and survived. So, but he does have an unusually unusual for him uh, a concerned expression on his face from last night's events. But he seems to brighten once the food is brought around and you guys are eating and talking. So there you all are. In a moment of silence, a lull in the small tar- part of the conversation. So, yeah, I'll go over my meeting with the consortium and the ritual that we undertook that should stop all future attacks from the Dark Hunter. Um, how? Well, I, with the help of the consortium, I summoned the Dark Hunter, uh, bound it to my will, and commanded it not to do any future attacks on us. When did you do that? It was about 1 a.m. last night. When you completed it? Yeah. yeah. And it was like 12.45 when it attacked me? Yeah. <laughs> yep. So it had just come from attacking him. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I had kind of hoped to see some sort of weird time Bending. paradox yeah. where two dark hunters fight each other to yeah, yeah. well yeah like twelve forty-five, it attacked me and i don't know where mccracken or clark are i blacked out i don't know how i'm still alive well hopefully the other two are all right you said you you didn't find any sign that they were injured or no all i saw was mccracken's shotgun laying on the floor which I don't imagine he would leave willingly. But I saw no blood, no signs of struggle. And his vehicle was gone too? But his vehicle was gone, so... Perhaps we should go check on him at uh, his house. Yeah, he might have escaped. I think finding Dr. or uh, Mr. Clark and Mr. McCracken should be one of our first things to do today. Okay. Oh, There's another... We also need to... Uh, get into that hospital and change those medical records. Yes. Uh, well. Dr. Call, would you, you be able to help with that today? Our, our uh, deal with the consortium isn't really complete until we do that. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I don't think I can get you in there today. I, I already sent off the telegram and have arranged for Monday evening, as we discussed earlier. Oh, that's right. Yes. Well, I'll threaten him with a steak knife. (laughs) Dr. Andrews. It's like, I face a dark god. That doesn't scare me anymore. (laughs) I know we doctors are capable of unusual things. Action-packed heroics, but there's no need to get violent. One of the odd things about Mr. Monroe's story when he relays his meeting with the consortium is that they claimed to not be responsible for the dark hunter being sent after you. Which does leave an open question. Yeah, if they're not responsible, then who is? Who who else can... What, what is this ritual you had to do to bind it to you? Um, it was a ritual that had been found in a, a book that... Uh, well, first of all, it was in Corbett's journals. Uh, so the Church of Contemplation or what is... Yeah, Starry Wisdom. Starry Wisdom? Yeah, they they have access to it as well. Obviously, the Porchellian members do, since they sent it after uh, Dooley. Um, but as anyone that has access to one of these books could have done it. Mm-hmm. So it is possible that one of the Porchellian 
members found out that we were on to them and sent it after us or I think it was probably Betty. It could have been. I don't know uh what exposure she's had to it. I don't know. Uh, I'm also beginning to be more concerned about uh Johan. If the Dark Hunters come after each of us, perhaps it's found him as well. Well then he's dead because there's no way he could withstand it. Well he he may he's be a, a slippery old man. Well, what's to stop more than one person from having the Dark Hunter bound to them? I don't know. And um, whose orders does it actually follow? And the the first person or being that gave it orders? Or does a new set of orders overwrite the previous? Well, the Dark Hunter isn't quite like that from my understanding it lives outside of time and space in some way so orders given at different times may happen differently than we think they do yeah that's there's actually an uncomfortable sensation growing in you mr monroe discussing this topic because as i described the forceful way in which the consortium gave you knowledge of the spell left kind of like a boil in your mind but now it's more like a dark spot or a blight, like the knowledge is fading and certain details, of the precise nature of the ritual are becoming obscure. But as you're reflecting on that, you like you feel one of these strands of knowledge in your mind break. But before it disappears, you are given an insight, like when you're talking about this outside of time and space. Like you you have this impression of hanging in a void and seeing something in the distance that looks like a marble or maybe a frozen explosion, and you're not interacting with it in any way, but you can see it's very from one end to the other, as though it's just a solid, constant object, and you can focus on any point of it. And another vision that comes down as a, a luminous being that it doesn't seem to have any matter of any description that you would give it. Of course, you're not a, a scientist, but it comes into this gray space that you've heard described in your readings about the Dark Hunter and in other places. Some like a sky of, of uh, coiling dragons and a gray wasteland. And this luminous being comes down into what you recognize the Dark Hunter as you see. And it seems to inhabit it in some way and then move move forth into a portal. So you get this sort of uncomfortable flash as you're even thinking about it. Okay. Like when you came up with that concept of it being outside of space and time, that's literally what you get. Okay. Um, so I'll do my best to try and convey that in Monroe's words. <laughs> yeah. But it um, there's nothing in that that makes you certain you're even dealing with only one entity. Yeah. It's more like it's the way something's will is manifest. It's it's like a drone in a way. Like it's something sends a signal and then the drone goes out and okay. does the thing that it's ordered to do. All right. So, yeah, I'll try to explain it the best I can. Very difficult without uh, a modern understanding of things, though, in a way, right? Yeah. Like an electric impulse firing across vast distances and and issuing a command to something that does have matter but anyhow yeah 
I wonder if I could associate it with like a, a ghostly possession of some sort, like the hunter exists and something possesses it to go do what it it, it wants it to, and that that's the closest I can like really come to explaining what I did to it that my will kind of inhabited it. Yeah, yeah, you could definitely relate it in those terms. And for those uh, of you that dealt with Warren B. Eddy when he possessed Mister mm. Whitmire. You know, that they, you know, it doesn't seem like you're dealing or you're beholden to the laws of physics in that case. Like, how did that even happen? So yeah. that's what you can kind of relate it to in a way. But it's uh, it does sound like the ramblings of a madman. And Dr. Call is like, well, I think we should probably leave this topic aside. It seems beyond any of us to understand. Yes, I wish I could put better words to it. But, you know, it's all of us have experienced things that we can't quite express mm. um, i'm sorry that's the best i can do and as for the other matter i did send off the telegram but i am awaiting word on whether or not that will be okay i i took some liberties i hope you're not too mad at me for describing who you were and why you should be allowed a tour of the facility and a visit with the troubled young man mm-hmm. um mr monroe i hope you don't mind but i did say you attended you actually attended one of Freud's lectures at Clark University uh, roughly 10 years ago. Sorry, it was a small lie. <laughs> I don't expect it should come up, but well, it just came out of my mouth before I really thought about it. Well, that's that's good enough. Uh, if that's the, the only lie that we have to tell in this process, then all the better. Yes, well, you see, uh, the, the gentleman I spoke to is quite a fan of Dr. Freud. Ah. So... His- I would suggest you study up on that. I do have the the Freud book right. that I, I got about lucid dreaming, and so I can say that that's the focus of my studies. Yeah. Yes, that Dr. Milton Phelps is his name, the man I, I my contact there. Uh, he's quite a fan of the the free association method that that Dr. Freud has pioneered. What did you, you know? Tell the sitting down me? and. Oh, that you're a uh, young, well, not a young. How old are you, Mr. Whitmire? I forget. 26. Oh, I, I did say you were a bit younger than that. But yes, you're a, a student here in Harvard, student in psychology. Okay. And as long as I don't know, I have to, have to know anything about lectures <laughs> I never attended. <laughs> well, I'll have a chance to brush up on my, my Freud and my psychology uh, tonight, but I think in the meantime, we definitely should try and find uh, Mr. Clark and Mr. McCracken and mm-hmm. make sure that we are still on track for everything else we need. Um, yeah, and then Betty sent me a telegram as well, uh, talking about Professor Jarvis and his public argument, yes. but also Cole Bishop, who was another one of the boys involved in this Porcellian club. Is that any relation she described him to as, Eliza Bishop? Oh, yeah, right. Very likely. Yeah, I think so. Well, gentlemen, Dr. Call claps his hands. Shall we split our efforts, or what do you need me to do? Well, Mr. Whitmire, after he spoke with Detective Nichols, did he say how soon he'd be able to get back on whether or not police reports had been filed over, over um, was it, it's uh, Merle Beckett that... Or no, it's Wallace Bowers that went crazy. Yeah, that's the yeah. one we're going to see. Yeah. Um, so I think we need to check back with him to see if there are other areas we need to alter records. 
Uh, he didn't give me a timeline on it, but I, I would imagine that since it was kind of late last night, he probably hasn't made much uh, much headway on it. Because I think that our, our timeline would probably fit, though, as uh, see if he comes up with anything today or tomorrow uh, morning or you know afternoon before we go and, and do the tour. Yeah, we could check with him tomorrow. Um, in the meantime, the only thing I can think of is to try and find Mr. Clark and Mr. McCracken. Um, although you also mentioned that you need to see Mrs. Williams. No, I don't need to see yeah, her. Miss. She's just updating me on what she's found out. And then didn't Detective Nichols mention something about a barn as well? You guys know the barn is what? Porcelain members call their clubhouse. Ah, okay. Yeah. As hmm. a, I don't know. Like, I imagine we could go try and gain access to it, but I don't know what our success would be. Well, for certain, we should see if we can find McCracken. Yeah. I'd, I And mean, I'm willing to check out uh, what his house, the Order of the Silver Twilight, and the, I uh, can't remember the other one, the... Uh, something of the unexplained yeah yeah society for the investigation of unexplained there it is yeah those those places um i check and see if if uh who who got a hold of Merle beckett's journal where, where when when did we get that wayne nichols got yeah. it he went to visit the parents oh okay yeah he had given it to me which if you'd like was uh handed over to you okay yeah, and in a brief sense, the journal described Murrow Beckett's initiation into Porcellian, you know, meeting William Murrow Jr., their, what they bonded over matters of a cult, but then the, the beginnings of a split in that they should be delving into these matters. Yeah. And then ending with allusions to a ritual around the time Mr. Dooley was murdered and his thoughts on that. Hmm. Oh, I did have one thought, gentlemen. You, you said the that you and Mister Whitmire, Doctor Andrews, you were attacked by the Dark Hunter a few days prior and at the university. Yes, where you first met young Miss Williams. Yes. Now, you, you said you were uncertain if the Dark Hunter was after you or James Clark in this most recent event. But what was your impression of the encounter then? Yeah, it seemed to. Didn't it seem like it was after her? It seemed like it was after Betty at that, right? Is that what you got out of it, Mr. Whitmire? Yeah. As, uh, I mean, as far as I can recall the sequence of events, uh, it seemed like it was just trying to get through us to get to her. Yeah, that's what I seem to remember. And Monroe says he's made arrangements with the consortium prior to at least the most recent attack. That puts you in good standing so long as you keep up your end of the bargain. Is this a signal of some rogue agent within their group? Somebody who's not playing by their rules? But why target you and Betty Williams? What did the two of you have in common? Well, or James Clark, I suppose. We must throw him into the mix. Yeah, what what does he have to do with it? Because what, what would we all three have in common? Nothing. I mean, we got the first attack when... Betty was going to, or so, so Betty helped us to contact Merle Beckett through the radio. Then we got attacked. Or she got attacked. Right. 
Perhaps it was, if I'm understanding Monroe's story correct, the ritual was a lengthy process, and that's what I observed, although I can't be certain as I have a gap in my memory from that night. I was watching the beginnings of it, and then I seem to have come to without any knowledge of the intervening time, but he claims it took the better part of an hour. So if it had been targeted at Betty Williams, the process would have been what begun before you were even destined to meet. Although we also seem to see a time delay between when the ritual is performed and when the hunter arrives. We had mentioned that um, that Wallace Bowers had gone insane, but he had been committed days before the attack on Dooley. The Dark Hunter is after me. So why? Doesn't care about Betty. As a matter of fact, I'm the one who got injured in that encounter. Yeah. Well, wasn't that because well, we had put tried to put ourselves in its way? Well. Because I remember well, pretty distinctly <laughs> that it was trying to move past us and, yeah, that's and true. then we engaged it. Or at so least at this point, I'll... So maybe the objective was to stop her from telling me something. At this point, I'll reveal to well, Dr. Beckett Anderson... Well, was in contact with her through the radio, wasn't he? That when mm-hmm. we were talking with the consortium about who to put forward in place of the... of um, Oh, what's his name? Uh, Murphy. Charlie Murphy. That they suggested you as the fall guy. Oh. And that they wanted you out of the way of their plans. What did I do? I'm not quite certain, but that was their suggestion before we offered up Wallace Bowers. All right. I have a theory, doctor. As a doctor, you're, of course, incorruptible. And what do corrupt men do with incorruptible people that they can't manipulate? They remove them. Yeah. And yet... But if they agreed to the other, then why still come after me? Well, perhaps there was someone else that you've been getting close to that has access to the ability to summon the Dark Hunter that would want you out of the way to stop their plans from being interrupted. I think if we know Betty, who knows about you and what you're doing, then we can narrow the list of suspects. Mm-hmm. You also did speak with the coroner that had altered those documents. Um, True. It's possible that he or one of the people that stand to lose quite a bit could have seen you as a threat. Yeah, the coroner. There is somebody that we know has a book that we haven't mentioned for a while, but did send some people after you, at least to try and warn you off, and that's Francis Walsh. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was going to say me. (laughs) Well, besides you. (laughs) I just, for a guy like Francis Walsh, if if there's some doctor causing him trouble, I would expect he'd just send some goons to... Uh, he did that. Take me and out. And then they got arrested. Mm. Didn't they get killed? Did they get killed? Some, pe- some people were killed on the night the big Italian yeah. you know, attacked it. Well, so who knows what I'm trying to do. There's you, gentlemen, and Betty. And I wonder if Murrow Beckett is capable of controlling the Dark Hunter from wherever he's trapped. It's very possible. Because he wouldn't want us to put the blame on him where it belongs. True. If he, you know, if he still holds on to hope that he'll escape. Well. But Betty wouldn't want us to either. Yes. Um, 
perhaps if we reach out to them again and let them know that we've specifically chosen to lay the blame at Wallace Bowers' feet, mm-hmm. that'll eliminate their reason for attempting to get rid of you, and we can focus on other avenues. Yeah. Well, I hate to be a coward. That's not in my upbringing, Dr. Andrews, but perhaps it would be best to walk quietly until we can arrange to have this matter with young Bowers finished, and then things can go forward. Yeah. Um, I suppose you're right. I should lay low, unless you're responsible. Well, I. how would that be? I don't... And I stab him. <laughs> <laughs> with your fork. So... <laughs> It's, yeah. it's uh, yeah. uh, the mid <laughs> It's just mid morning. You know, you guys are having a cordial conversation. Although this, the topic is anything less than when Doctor Andrews just slowly slides the knife into <laughs> Doctor Cole's stomach, which is pretty horrible to imagine. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't me. <laughs> Although with the Dark Hunter laying low doesn't really give us anything. Well, but, maybe your command will work. And because again, how do they know they weren't successful? Right. Yeah. They might, might think that they were successful. True. True. So maybe I will just lay alone for a little bit until we get the message to them. Maybe even if we played like you had gone missing, we let everybody else beyond this table know that, well, we sent you to this place and then can't find me. These guys had to flee in terror if we do find McCraken, and we don't know what happened to the good Dr. Andrews. And then we can see how the people around us react. Well, in that case, um, heading to Mr. McCracken's home might be a, a good place for him to hide out. Perhaps we'll find Mr. McCracken there. Yes. I dare say that would be a stroke of good luck. Well, we can cross our fingers and hope for the best. If not, I'm afraid I don't know where we might find Mr. McCracken. Well, I have a few messages and errands to attend to. Where would you like me to meet you guys next? Or, Well, perhaps meet at Mr. McCracken's house. Well, uh, this evening, maybe. Yeah, is that when we're going to go? Well, I was thinking of heading over there almost r- right yeah. now. So, there, I mean, if he's not there, then there's no reason for yeah. us to stay. So We can do like we always do and, you know, Check for telegrams. Like, uh, I'm assuming Dr. Call will probably be heading to the order yeah. or to his house so we could send telegrams to those two places. I'd also like to send off another set of telegrams to the places where I know Johan goes. Right. So, like, one to his house, one to his, his uh, where he's staying here in town. Yeah, and uh, I should also mention that you guys have the morning paper, which does have a front and center spread on... Ooh. What you know to be the event that occurred. So what's it saying about this uh, dark hunter charging through traffic and whatnot? Well, it's going with the only rational angle that it can come up with. And it was an escaped zoo animal. And it even connects it to witness reports from a previous incident on a tram Uh in Boston. And the author coins the term the Boston baboon is on the loose. It's sort of tongue in cheek by the end of it. But um, there's no mention of what occurred in the police station, like like a police officer lost the service pistol or anything like that. And yeah. there's no mention of any person of interest as far as Dr. Andrews or James Clark is 
is concerned, or necessarily the particulars of him and a apparently a man who was in a hospital. It's focused on what people saw in traffic okay. and the different witness reports. And the official police statement is the investigation into the matter is ongoing. So I'll uh, pass it on to Dr. Colin, tell him that he has some more articles for his scrapbook of of uh, re- relevant and mysterious happenings in Boston. And this is the Boston Globe, which is like the big paper. And he's just... He says, well, this confirms my belief that you can't trust the globe. Yes. We know the truth of what happened, and look what they report. Boston baboon. <laughs> Perhaps we should pick up what what was uh, the the uh, article or the newspaper that he gets his... Oh, the typo? Yeah. Oh, the typo. Yeah, typo article. Yeah. It's a quarterly okay. publication. So you've read through the latest one. I believe, which has all kinds of articles, but none that have any bearing on the subject. Although some of what he talks about, because there's this whole angle of the flying cows uh, seen in all over New England. And uh, Gary Riggs maintains that these are actually a spacefaring race (laughs) that are anarchists. And if we all just lived like them, we'd be okay. Flying space anarchists? Yeah, cows? it gives you a headache to read it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's such an ideological scree that mm-hmm. it's difficult to maintain it, uh, his, his thoughts in your mind. All right, so breakfast is over. You guys are all going to McCracken's place. Yeah, yeah. Except for Dr. Call, who has to finish his business and setting up this meeting at Danvers tomorrow. So he departs, uh, leaving the three of you to take Whitmire's car there. And when you arrive to this hotel, uh, the clerk there, you know, stops you and he's like, will you gentlemen be needing a room? It's not one you've dealt with before. No, we're, we're here to, uh, visit a tenant. Oh, the name? Um, McCracken. Oh, okay. Uh, let me just go check with him real quick and I'll be right back. So he goes off a ways into the hotel and then he comes back and he says that he'll see you and he leads you to that room. And they're a very worried McCracken is. This time he only has his, his pistol. But his jaw drops when he sees you with the, the two of them. But he lets you in. James Clark is sleeping on his bed at the moment. Okay. Okay, good. How did you get away from the Dark Hunter? So he writes furiously for a time. And he gives you his version of events. And he says, well, once it was done with you... It didn't pursue us, and I thought you were dead. What did it do to me? It tore your arms off, Doctor. So I'll check real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Your arms are as intact as they were before. Like, do I see any new wounds? Like, No. Well, I don't know what to say, Mr. McCracken, but my arms wiggle them around. I'm not doubting what I see before me right now. I'm just telling you what that both of us saw, Mr. Clark will confirm it when he wakes up. So what, tore my arms up and then left? We didn't stick around. Yeah. I shot at it a few times once you went down, but hmm. we were, I thought you were done for. I'm sorry, doctor. If I'd known you were alive and could regrow your arms, I might <laughs> have begun to worship you. Oh, I, the last memory I have is when it stepped out and I looked beyond it 
and everything after that's a blank. I yeah. woke up all alone after having the sweetest dream. Yeah, the James called for you, but you didn't respond. You just stood there looking at it with a peaceful expression on your face. And it came up to you and tore your arms off like you were just a fly that some kid had gotten a hold of and it's tearing its wings off. That's when I fired at it, raised its arm in defense, and we fled out the door. And I tripped, dropped my shotgun, but I didn't have the presence of mind to pick it up. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. I suppose hallucinations are always possible. We had been, well, we'd also discussed that the hunter exists outside of time, and perhaps my command happening at the same time it was damaging you somehow interrupted itself and made time flow backwards, or I don't know exactly how to explain what potentially could have happened. They, the, yeah. The uh, consequences are staggering to think that something like that could have happened. Well, clearly it was just a hallucination on their part. Perhaps... uh, My arms are quite whole. Dr. Call didn't come with us, right? No. He does do his own thing. Uh, Perhaps we should uh, check you out physically, have another doctor look you over and make sure that nothing's amiss. Oh, well, I suppose we could do that, although... It's quite an easy matter to determine it's, if somebody has yeah. arms or not. <laughs> well, yes, but... <laughs> don't need a doctor for that, so... But it, see if there's anything else that's different about you in any way. Like, obviously, your arm, your your wounded arm is still wounded and... Yeah. And so on, but... Well, you know, maybe, but we have many other things to take care of. If I'm trying to lay low, I shouldn't go to a hospital right now. True, true. But I'll... Tell Finn that I'm happy to see that he's alive. I feared the worst. Yeah, well, he's in a mortified state because he thought he, he left you while you were still alive. He just didn't see how you could be after such a thing. And he's he's begging your forgiveness. Well, there's nothing to forgive. Obviously, there's strange occurrences. If something can crawl out of a hole in reality, there's no reason why it couldn't force hallucinations well that must be it i uh tended to mr clark as best i could but you may want to have a look at him see if everything is going well yeah i'll, I'll do that I'll, I'll be expecting to like find him wrapped up in bailing twine or whatever <laughs> i'm gonna be kind of surreptitiously looking at dr andrew's shadow oh okay to make sure that it doesn't give off any weird lizard-like shadows. <laughs> because after hearing Finn McCracken's explanation of what he had seen, I'm starting to wonder if he became like one of those skin suits that the lizard people seem to yeah. be inhabiting. And That's actually pretty so, smart. Uh, so, yeah, I'll be trying to watch out for that. Okay. His shadow appears normal. Okay. Although you could give me an intelligence roll. Although if you lisp, idea. I'm shooting you. <laughs> Uh, just doesn't occur to you. So yeah, me being weird is is not out of the ordinary. <laughs> yeah. Like, quit looking at my shadow. That's rude. Yeah. <laughs> but one thing that does occur to you is that when you suffered your injury from the Dark Hunter, initially it was much worse than what the final result was. And you're not sure by what process that injury was lessened. Yeah, that's true. 
Because even my arm, it seemed worse when it happened than it turned out to be. Mm. So, why? Well, I mean, if it can slow down time, if that singularity can slow down time, why can't it reverse it? True. And what, is that just a natural effect or is something making that happen? Well, it could be a byproduct of it being sent back. And what would be the point of of it coming and rip my arms off if it's just going to be undone anyway? Well, perhaps what caused it to kind of go back is that it was disrupted before... Yeah, maybe. Like it didn't go back naturally in the way that it normally does. Yeah, maybe, maybe obviously you the, took control of it and it had to leave. Yeah. the do- Mr. Dooley obviously didn't get better after it had finished ripping him apart. Right. But nothing interrupted it. So perhaps yeah. perhaps we did interrupt it. And so. Well, anyway, there's too many mysteries. Yes, and I'm afraid that some of these are beyond what my mind can comprehend right now. Well, a few more skill ups, and we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you uh, looking over, Mister Clark. You can make your medicine roll. Extreme success, so I can I cure him. Yes, that's what I say. Well, you had stitched him up prior to leaving the lodge hall in that session you missed, and you're pleased to see that that's all held, <laughs> and he seems to be healing well enough. You're sort of torn whether. Given the threats you face, it's a good idea to send them back to the hospital or any hospital for that matter. Yeah. I mean, perhaps you should just. Unless I was 100% sure that it's not after him, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do that. Okay. So you are in McCracken's spot. Did I understand all your discussion correctly and that this is where you want to lie low? Yeah, if he'll allow it. Yeah, he says, of course. So what's. What's next? You need me to run out and get anything? He writes in his message. Um, yeah, I guess he probably ought to stop by my place and grab my your weapons, weapons in case we <laughs> need them, and and some books that I have there. Uh, he writes to Whitmire. I did get a line on some dynamite, or maybe that was Monroe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. a small amount, but if you need it, well, any amount can be useful. Whitmire hands you his stick that he's still been holding. <laughs> That's lit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so he, he departs to to do that, leaving the three of you and a sleeping Clark in his apartments. All right, Mr. Monroe, you've been listening to at least Dr. Andrew's side of the conversation with Mr. McCracken. And in some cases, it's trodden over the same ground that you guys discussed at breakfast, the mysteries of the Dark Hunter. But uh, your attention is split because you had the Boston Globe. You tracked or you pulled out that latest edition of the typo and you were reading through that. And there is one article that does capture your attention for a minute uh, that I will share with you momentarily, but I'll read what it says. So the headline was called, or the headline was, The Brotherhood of the Pig. The pathways to power are well greased by the hands of the rich and powerful. Our most prestigious institutes of learning are merely the means by which the princes of capitalism are confirmed in their destiny as leaders of the free people of this great nation. One only needs to look at the so-called final clubs of Harvard to see the degree to which every rise to power is predetermined by those who came before. The rosters of these enigmatic clubs are a veritable list of who's who in political leadership, artistic expression, 
and religious thought. One such member rose to the highest station of power in our government. That is right. The offices, or the office of the President of the United States has been penetrated by these groups that seek to order the future. Ex-President Teddy Roosevelt belonged to these secretive clubs. I wish that I could tell you that this is merely a sign of men corrupted by power, but I am afraid it is so much worse. Yes, dear reader, you have heard me speak of the evolved race of serpent men who live in the forgotten subterranean spaces of Earth, biding their time until they can emerge as the dominant species and enslave mankind for all time. I am here now to confirm that this group is the true power behind these clubs. These are the places in which they direct the future, not with the warm heart of human compassion and love, but with the cold calculation of a snake waiting to strike. <laughs> By powers beyond human comprehension, these evolved snake men walk amongst us. They could be your mailman, your ticket taker, your local legislator, your state senator, and yes, even your president. I do not tell you this so that you may hate and fear your fellow man, but so that you may love them unconditionally, and with the knowledge that, as it is and shall ever be, the true enemy of mankind is the serpent as it was in the Garden of Eden. Mm. The enemy whispers, You do not need love. You do not need faith. You do not need that which makes you human. You only need power. Reject it. Reject it, dear reader, with all your heart, and understand that humanity can be united. Your fellow man, be he Jew or Gentile, man or woman, and without regard to the color of his skin, is your ally. We must reject the serpent's whispers of perverse capitalism and raise our voices in a song of harmonious anarchy. So, that's another little sample of the type of... Interesting. ...type of writing. Why haven't you sent the Dark Hunter after this dude yet? (laughs) Probably because he's just a plant. Yeah, and... (laughs) He's, yeah, controlled opposition is what they call right. it. <laughs> yeah. Or they, yes. normalization of the idea before they come out in truth. There are no UFOs. There may be UFOs. Here's the military's reports on UFOs. Yep. You got it, Justin. Yeah. Anyhow. Yeah, so that you just <laughs> read through that, and it's, I mean, it, obviously it's colored a little different by what you have gone through, but, you know, he... As is often the case, people who speak the truth invalidate themselves by being absolutely crazy yeah. in the way in which they convey it. So, <laughs> uh, and anyhow, you guys are left left to your own devices in that room to do as you wish, and I'll put the ball back in your guys' court if at all you want to do anything today. You could just have a reading day, read your tomes. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I'll be doing because I'm trying to. Lay low, so. Um, like I still need to idea. get the. I, I still need to get the uh, the grand grimoire, my Libra Ivanis rebound. Yeah. And then, so I have the actual Libra Ivanis and return the uh, the grand grimoire. Right. Um, so I suppose that's something I could do. Yeah, they can do the. You can find a place that does binding. They can have it for you, the next day. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm going to be fairly insistent that I be there the entire, the entire time. time. <laughs> that's that's be- good. Because not only do I not want them to have it completely in their possession, but I don't want them to begin reading it either. Because that could go down a bad right. path. Um, okay, yeah. So you can definitely take care of that. But uh, we'll just have it play off in the background. You're, <laughs> it's uh, 
Well, actually, the guy does push back when you find the book, the book uh, binder. I don't know. I suppose you would go to a, a publisher or something to well, to it, track down who would put it together. In this Maybe age, you there might be local. Yeah. yeah, and and I would like it bound in like high quality materials and whatnot. But he insists. He's like, "Well, I don't want you to just stand here while I'm trying to work. That's very <laughs> odd." So uh, maybe some persuasion would be in order. Yeah. Yeah, let's try a good old-fashioned persuade. Yay. All right. So, yeah, I'll just express to him, you know, this is a family heirloom. I, I want to be here to make sure that, you know, it's properly taken care of. And All right. Yeah, he's like, okay, uh, just don't get in the way, please. Very well. And for you, Mr. Whitmire, you have that book, The Nameless Colts, and mechanically you've completed what's called a skim reading, but you can begin what is referred to as a full study, which is measured in weeks. So you can, you know, knock a day out, uh, get a day into that. And just, you know, it has a similar effect of completing your skim reading where there is sand loss at the end of it, but there's also more Cthulhu Mythos uh, skill gain. But just so you know, that occurs at the end. You're safe to read it right now for a day. Okay. And uh, you have the book of Aubramillan. Yeah. That you've been going through. Mm-hmm. Well, then other than that, your day passes without event. You put him under a time crunch and he gets the binding swapped where he initially said he could have it for you by tomorrow. You being there, he just wants you out of his hair. So he... Works quickly Good. and has the bindings changed out. And you have your concealed copy of the Liber Ivanis by that evening. And no other messages come in that day for any of you. Although I think Monroe had sent a message to his apartments. Um, Andrews's? Yeah, you, you and Dr. Call, you had sent a message back that they had missed. I suppose it doesn't matter. Yeah. It was just a missed opportunity. So yeah, we'll fade on the day, go on to the next one, make sure your MP's all all full, or I should ask, did you want to plumb the dreams some more? Um, yeah, I'll discuss with Dr. Call, like uh, after we get everything done, then I'll, yeah. I'll reach out to Dr. Call and, um, and uh, Whitmire and even Dr. Andrews to see if they want to investigate the dream some more. Well, which dream? Well, what's... The the dream of that we nearly got killed in last night. I need to figure out what's going on with my wound. Okay. Uh, when you do, you check the bandages. It seems to be healing normally. I mean, you have to clean it off and rebind it. Um, healing is measured in weeks at this stage. So at the end of this week, you do like a constitution roll, and that determines whether or not okay. you... Uh, get hit points back so let me see where you're at on that i think you're still yeah it's, it hasn't been a week yet same with you mr monroe yeah so for wallace andrews your major wound was taken on the 15th of june and therefore your con check will be on the 22nd i think yeah around about 21st 22nd okay it might happen with the day after yeah so yeah, it's just the slow process of mending yeah. Uh, nothing unusual happens with it. And occasionally I might have some event occur because you know it's behaving a little oddly. But uh, unless you try to manifest something again by reaching your hand out and touching your 
companions with your oozing damaged hand then oh i fully intend on doing that do you yeah well i want (laughs) to yeah i want to you know learn more about that if he mentions it i will happily subject myself to an experiment using it all right well the scene is you guys are back at mccracken's it's later in the evening after mr monroe got his book rebound and you're sitting around uh you've taken the bandage off your hand and you're sopping up all the oozing stuff that's coming out of it making sure it's nice and clean and you're getting ready to bind it back up but you're thinking about that odd vision you had yeah so mr monroe um as to your question i don't i don't think it'd be safe for me to check out the dream don't know when the dark hunter will show back up just in case you're not the only one that has control True. But you see this disgusting arm of mine? I have visions when I touch things with it. Do you want to see what happens if I touch you? Yeah, for, Surely, yes. For someone of your constitution, that is worth a sanity roll. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> okay, yeah. I've been around it enough that it right. apparently doesn't bother me. Yeah, it's um, just gross. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll that and my curiosity is, is yeah. probably getting the better of me as yeah. well. But... I'll say, yes, uh, yeah, this, if I'm lucky, perhaps I'll share in the, the vision with you. It was with this hand that I was able to remove the paper from the dream. Do you mm, remember? Yes. When I woke up yes. with, well, it was because I touched it in the dream with this hand, but I also had a vision as I related once before. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, perhaps I could read a vision of your future. Uh, well... By all means, good sir. Let's uh, let's uh, let's convey this experiment, uh, Mister McCracken. You, of course, won't mind watching over us while we uh, while we do this. He inclines his head. Okay, and uh, I'll reach out my hand as if yeah. going to shake your hand. <laughs> shake and, hands and are you still there with my? Like, like I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm probably like I'll shaking a little bit. Put my book down for a minute and watch, <laughs> watch what they're doing. Yeah, and of course, you were there when he had that vision and he was behaving strangely. But all right, so uh, let's. You'll need to pass an extreme power roll. Okay. But I don't have extreme power. You don't. <laughs> Failure. Okay. <laughs> not. Yeah, it doesn't, nothing seems to trigger. Well, this is not working. Unless you want to push it. No. <laughs> but Do- yeah. doesn't seem to be working. Maybe right. because it's healing. Maybe. Um, but next time I go in the dream, I'm going to try and pull something else out and see. Hmm. Well, if you happen to find yourself there. What would have happened if I had touched Mrs. Nichols? If I would have brought her out where I am. Well, if you'd like, we can. If you happen to find yourself in the dream yeah. unwillingly, then, then perhaps we can do an experiment with that. As for you, Mr. Whitmire, uh, what do you say to exploring the dream world a, a little bit more? Definitely not going back to the exact location that we. <laughs> That we uh, encountered Zaguel. Yeah, I'd be I'd be up for it. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So, are you going to try to direct yourself there with your dreaming skill? Yeah. Um. But you can also retrieve one of your figurines ahead of time. Yeah, I'll I'll have one of the figurines, but I also do want to try and manifest before I go into the dream okay. uh, a length of rope. Okay. All right, and I believe Dr. Call has a 
figurine as well now. So yeah, everybody there would be affected, assuming you're going to do it at McCracken's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I also give McCracken some instructions. I, I was kind of curious. Was Dr. Call like thrashing in his sleep when I woke him? No, he was not moving at all until you woke him. Okay. But I, I suppose I'll give uh, Mr. McCracken some yeah. orders to wake us after a certain amount of time. You can see Dr. Call looks very uncomfortable at the moment as well. But uh, I'll... Uh, a be- beads of sweat have broken out on his forehead. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell him, you don't have to accompany us if you, if you, uh, if you don't want to. You Well, uh, Mr. Monroe, I was worried about the Tark Hunter. Perhaps I should keep an eye out with uh, good Mr. McCracken here. Four eyes are better than two, as they say. Uh, oh, very well. And palpable relief <laughs> exudes from him. Yeah. All right. So uh, we did kind of throw him like into the deepest part of the deep end yeah. on his first journey. As you guys are settling down, you know, you enter your own dreams initially before you're taken to this field. You can try to create that rope, Mr. Monroe. All right. Dreaming check. Yeah. For two magic points. Nope. Okay. I mean, you you do get it to manifest in your dreams. It just doesn't seem to transfer once you leave one dream session into another yeah. or one scene into another. Uh, I'd like always to gone. try and manifest uh, like a pistol. All right. Like your 38? Yeah. So that one's worth uh, 10 magic points. Oof. Uh, I only got nine. Well, you guys uh, should be full. You had a, a full day of sitting around reading, and magic points come back at the rate of one per hour. Oh, okay. Nope. Okay. Uh, so you and Dr. Andrews make a, a power roll for me again. Me? Yes. Oh, I didn't want to participate. The idol of Zagua does not care. Look, I'm tired of rolling power rolls and not succeeding on them. <laughs> and I expect you to do something about it. Because without players, you can't be the keeper. So. That's true. And you need to succeed <laughs> at least 60% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> do I need to roll a power as well? Uh, yes. Uh, same with you, Whitmire. Does, can I try and go in normally? Or is there just no choice? Uh, no, you can try to go with your dreaming skill. All right. So yeah, it's beholden to your power. All right. So at least in your case, Mr. Monroe and Mr. Whitmire, you both appear in that field, although you don't see Dr. Andrews or anybody else for that matter. And as always, you're standing 100 yards away from the mound, 50 yards away from the windmill. And uh, Monroe, you were the first to arrive. You were there for like five minutes, perhaps, before Whitmire just seemed to pop into existence. There's no materializing or or s- slowly being there. It's just one moment he wasn't, and the next he was. Okay. suppose I'll wait around for Dr. Andrews for a few minutes as well. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't appear there. Okay. Um, yeah, after we wait a reasonable amount of time, then just assume that... He either didn't make it into the dream or that he might be somewhere else. Although we've, I don't think we've had any experience where someone entered not here. You have seen 
one time with Mr. Mueller, he was within the mound oh. and you seemed to wake him out of that's right. Some sort of hypnotized state. Okay. So yeah, um I'll suggest that we we check where I had seen yeah. Johan. I should say you also saw the big Italian there yeah. and and that's where I also found Dr. Nichols yeah. and and the uh I forget his name, the other guy from the society for yeah, uh Thaddeus Greenwald. Yeah. So yeah, you um signal to Whitmire to, to follow you. You guys head to the mound and sure enough you do see Dr. Andrews there just staring at some part of the wall in a less than conscious state. Okay. Um yeah, I'll I'll uh disrupt his <laughs> his fugue state. So yeah, his foggy eyes, he blinks and then they focus on you and now you're there, Dr. Andrews within the dream you're somewhere underneath the earth you can tell by the roots hanging down from the ceiling you see a bunch of uh, smashed pottery lying around and a few carved figures carved out of flint it looks like oh oh i see i've come here despite my wishes yes well perhaps we'll have a chance to do an experiment with your arm might as well make the best of it so gentlemen we have uh a choice. We could either continue on down through the ruins. Uh, I could take you to the point where I had seen that horrifying musical apparatus with the the chair where I had seen those uh, shapes and symbols. Or we could go back up to the layer of Zagua and, and continue on a, a different path that may take us deeper in. Well, it's good. I suppose. Oh, go ahead. It's all the same to me. I could show you where I found those skin suits, but that's outside and at the radio tower. Yes. I don't know how it, if it's connected to here through some underground warren or not. Well, we can hear the thrumming sound, right? Yeah. That that he yeah. had, he had uh, heard closer up. Yeah, ordinarily you didn't hear it in the mound, but it was when you first started to go down that it became apparent. But since you know it's there... You can tune your ears for it and hear it very faintly. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll mention that. Um, another idea that had occurred to me that like we'd always, in the past, tried to find our way to it through the tunnels. But I'm wondering if using some sort of a navigation skill, we might be able to work our way towards where we figure the underside of the radio tower would be. Like, work our way through the mound in that direction. To see if these caverns link up with those. Okay. I don't know that it would be the wisest idea to go back towards Zagua's lair. Because we don't know if him or that thing is still awake. As he was True. awake when I got out of it the uh, dream yesterday. This morning. Yes. One of the two. But the radio tower, I think, would be interesting. Because all that equipment was running down towards him. Yes, and that, that large microphone was in the same chamber as him. Yes. All right. Yeah. Yeah, You. Um, this has some bearing on a, a discussion that Dr. Andrews had with Murrow Beckett himself over the radio, where he described a situation of men in suits, you know, the consortium, rolling out and setting up this equipment. And then after Zagia would have a feeding, he would make some sort of subsonic crooning, or at least that's what Beckett theorized because he couldn't hear it but Zagua did seem to do something and they captured this in the microphone 
for mm. unknown purposes. So which do we do? Well, well, you, you gentlemen meant to come here and I didn't. So there's no telling how long I'll even be. So we might as well follow your lead. Yes, and we did tell Mr. McCracken to wake us after a certain amount of time. I suppose we could go back to the radio tower and try and work our way away from Zagua down into these tunnels or... Well, now, when Betty was describing, or did I have actual visions of it, when we were talking with Merle Beckett, her boyfriend, she described some area where he is, or he described it. Yeah. And it was close to, had to have been close to Zagua, right? Because they were feeding him. So we might be able to find where he's at somewhere near. That's what we had been attempting to do last time we came and we actually ran across Zagua itself. Mm-hmm. But we did, uh, we were trying to follow the radio to, to see if, if he, if uh, Mr. Beckett had been using that radio, but obviously that was not the case. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I should point out that within the last couple of sessions, you had drawn a parallel between this idea of the astral plane in the cult writings. Mm. And it's possible with Beckett's situation, if he was physically taken there, then he might not appear here unless mm. he was also dreaming here at the same time. Okay. It's totally so, possible that he was fed to Zagwa already as well. That's also true. Yeah. So to the radio tower then? Yeah. Yeah. And we'll try going in a different direction. All right, so you hoof out of the mound to the opposite side where you see the uh, sloping land where it slopes into a hollow, a big, broad valley, and the radio tower in the distance, and you make the journey across the unremarkable terrain with no sign of wildlife, no sound of wildlife, and in a short amount of time, you find yourself outside this complex and... Both you, or all three of you, are not certain if it was the same amount of time as the last time you made the journey here. It feels shorter, almost, in some way. But as you're approaching, everybody give me a spot hidden. Woohoo! I have extreme success. You, you just had to one-up me, didn't you? Oh, I get a hard success, so you <laughs> got to get an extreme. So, Whitmire, you had just been looking in a different direction, maybe trying to get some sense. You're like, is there a town distant? You don't see anything like that, but you just miss it. But from far off to the north, you see, uh, the two of you see a faint pulse of light running along the ground or maybe even slightly underneath of it. It's, uh, it just runs in a line from somewhere off north into the complex, but then it's gone as soon as it came. So could I kind of extrapolate that as like a ley line type of thing? Well, since it's entered your head, yeah, that's the first thing that occurs to you. Yeah. So, yeah, I wonder if that's some sort of an energy source running along one of the ley lines. <laughs> like, yes, that's good. <laughs> I don't know what you mean or said, but um, now what it, What did we see? Like a pulse like of light. Like we both see it? Yeah. Yeah. But is it like constant or is it gone now? It's gone now. You okay. might think of like if you were putting a reflection from your phone screen on the wall. Yeah. And you were running it across. It okay. would be something like that. It okay. just ran from, from the terrain off to the north, somewhere out of your ability to physically see. Yeah. Along the ground towards the, the complex. So 
And you lost sight of it once it went on the far side of the building. Yeah. And terrain features blocked it. So. Have any of you been off in that direction? I don't believe so. Well, should we... Because we should definitely go investigate it, though. Should we investigate its source, or should we save that for another time? Well, I don't remember ever seeing anything like what you guys uh, just described in any of my trips to any of the dream worlds. So I'd say let's go investigate it now. And maybe it doesn't occur very often. What would you what would you say, Mr. Monroe? Well if it is a ley line, then try to track it back to its source may not even be possible, at least off into the distance, tracking it down to where it Yeah, because what if we don't see it again? Yes. And we could go forever in all directions and never end up in the right place. But we did get a general idea of where it stopped here, correct? Yeah. So I, I, between the two choices, I would say that if we were going to try and find one, we choose this end. Mm-hmm. Um, just in a general sense, does it did it stop, once again, kind of abstracting where we went <laughs> once we entered the, the, the radio tower? Did it look like it yeah. stopped about where we would find Zagua or well, anything it, else? It stopped because you lost sight of it because the building eventually blocked its progress. So you didn't see its terminating point. You okay. just can, the, its trajectory before you lost sight of it coming down the slope on the far side of the building would have been straight towards the complex. Okay. And then what it did beyond your sight, you can only imagine. You only assume, yeah. Well, it seems to have come here. I suggest we continue on and keep our eyes open for anything that may be attributed to it. All right. So while we're doing that, while we're headed that direction, then this is a time where I'll ask Monroe if he can explain to me what a ley line is. You this, know, this is like to I give shine. me some, <laughs> some of the theory behind what, right, you yeah. know. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll put on my uh, professor stance <laughs> as we, as we walk and, yeah, speak at great length on on theory of lines of pow- of spiritual power and and how they travel around the globe and and uh, their points where they converge that that uh, are places of spiritual power and and so on and so forth. Yeah, the the end game date actually predates ley lines as a as a term. Okay, so they would have been referred to as sacred sites or holy lines. Yeah, uh, in occult writings. Because ley lines has a sort of convergence into pseudo science, where some quack geologists mm. try to incorporate it into where like civilizations were built. You probably actually have early writings about that. Now they would just be talking about holy sites or or um, sacred lines. So yeah, uh, while he's giving you the lecture, the breakdown of it. And you had just recently read through Murrow Beckett's, and he had an entry in there where Wallace Murrow Jr. Uh, claimed to be the reincarnation of Ibon, and that all of all the lines were focused on him now. And so that kind of is that the same thing? Are they talking about the same okay. principle? Along with his lecture, they would have the theory crafting that him and Mueller had done about there being a bunch of these lines around Boston and all of these corpses that you guys have discovered that were uh, interred using this ancient rite that kept them unnaturally alive. They were all buried on a ley line. And headed in 
and in there yes, being buried there created sacred sites in some yeah way shape or form yeah but the question is what's the source of this energy well it's a source of existence natural spiritual energy and so on and so forth typically would require a ritual to create places of power and the ley lines would connect them mm, no i think it has to do with magnets <laughs> That's a very good possibility as well. We don't fully understand them. So, Whitmire, you've... How do those things work? ...walked ahead while the, the two are deep in this discussion, and you're at that gate around the complex with the the padlock and the chain that keeps the, the gate that can be open for vehicles to come through. You know it's a pretty easy climb. I won't have you guys check for fumble this time. <laughs> yes, I was forced to climb this. Is that truck still there? Yes. Okay. Can I try and unlock it again? Like uh, picket yeah. or dream. Well, you don't have your tools I try on you, so that would be manifest difficult. Manifest them. Yeah, but a thought occurs to you about like changing your your poker hand in that one dream of yours. Maybe the lock picks would be entirely unnecessary, but you can still try to manifest them if you want. All right. Well, let me. I'll try and 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 just change the dream then to to where it's unlocked. Okay. Just cost one magic point. Yeah. Nope. Oh, I see. So I would like see him like what? Intently staring at the yeah, lock. Yeah. So I'll be like, um, no, we it's locked. We just gotta climb and I'll just <laughs> climb over it. Okay. Um this place seems a lot others... harder to manipulate than the other dream. Say, well, this is if if our assumptions are correct, then this is a real world, and we're on the astral plane, which may be why it's more difficult. Mm. Uh, but I did want to. <laughs> We've got the rational guy, <laughs> Doctor Andrews, that's listening to the crazy astral. Okay, <laughs> um, but I want to like that. That vehicle is still there, right? Yes. Um, I want to open it up and look for something kind of small and portable that I might take out of it. Okay. Yeah, so you um when you open it up you see the the left like there's a coffee cup in there sitting on the dash and a couple other okay. things. There's as you're looking around, you actually see underneath the seat is an electric torch. Well, I'll take that, of course, yeah. but uh, and some road flares. Now, I wanted to check if that crowbar that I took last time is back where it was. Yes. Yeah, I'll is. grab that. But I was looking for, I don't know, a piece of paper or something that he could carry in his withered hand. Oh, okay. And see if, if it comes with him out of the dream. But, yeah, yeah some, something that... Well, hopefully we can find something more interesting inside. But... Yes, but just in case we were woken before then, okay, might as well have something yeah. to yeah, test there's, it Yeah, uh, there's various bits of paper required for, like, interstate travel and... Uh, the necessary information on what's being hauled and whatnot. And as I said, this is a truck. It's got a canopied uh, bed. Yeah. I don't know if they had like registration or anything like that back then for vehicles, but maybe grab, grab that or something. We'll just say lines. that they do. Cause I don't know for certain, but my yeah. default is just to go to with some parallel. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, a regist registration kept in there. Who knows? They probably kept their titles in their car. Yeah. <laughs> the car. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you're able to get some small thing that he could hold on to. Yeah. Uh James, what did you mean by manipulate the dream? Uh all I heard was what did you mean by? 
When you said that the dream is harder to manipulate here, what did you mean by that? Well, there's there's another dream world. Um, it's different than this one. Uh, you, you mentioned it after after smoking the Latakia. Yeah, as uh, you go through, you start out in in this place with uh, what was her name? Um, Noshed in common thought, yeah. which you know that denied uh, your entry. So that's a different dream than this and, one. Yeah, yes. and then you go through a forest, and mm-hmm. there's multiple ways to go. I've I've encountered a tomb or a uh, maybe a prison that mm-hmm. uh, had the same markings as the uh, the one the um, chamber that we found in Peru uh, that was holding Father, and oh, I've okay. also. Uh, me and Lance had found a town where <laughs> apparently uh, Mr. Merriweather had been before as there was somebody that we met that gave us a little bit more info on that. Yeah, Ulthar was the town. Yeah, And the person they met, his name was Robert Ren- Ramsden. And according to his theory, is he said that this that place was like a photo negative of reality in this way. The material world that we live on gave rise to consciousness. And he says that the dreamlands were consciousness that gave rise to a material world. Mm. So it's all very high concept. And you'll probably wake up and kill all these guys just Mm. to set order back to the universe. No, that has answered my question. Thank you. What I'm wondering (laughs) now, though, is are these statues uh, taking us into the the place where Zagua is imprisoned and that's why it's harder because he fully controls this realm. Even last time we were here, I was able to get a couple things to manifest, but um, like the rope that we had, it just disappeared. That didn't happen in the other one. Yes. Those could be things that are just differences between uh, dream world and dreaming in our world but i'm afraid i'd have to do quite a bit more studying to so you you were able to just um manifest some item based on your thought alone should we attempt to show him uh yeah there there's two ways that we've been able to make this work as the first one is before you come into into this dream world in your normal dream you manipulate and create an item and then try to to bring it over with you as that that seems to be the easier way in most cases it's quite a bit harder when we have to manifest it when we're already here but doing it as a group seems to help so um just because we may need it we needed one last time as uh let's all focus on a flashlight in your hand or a sorry an electric torch I'll hold up the one I got. Yeah, we, <laughs> we found oh, one. We already did. Like, right. Well, we yeah, we 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 may not need that, but a rope, uh, perhaps a rope. Yeah, we could focus uh, on a rope. So you're all concentrating on it. Yeah. Yep. All right. So it costs each of you a magic point. Whitmire and Monroe can perform their dreaming role. In your case, since you have no training, Doctor Andrews, you have to succeed in an extreme power roll. Sorry for the power roll again. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we're we're not dreaming very well. Nope. <laughs> like I said, it's a lot harder here. Yeah, I think you probably just made all this up. Let's uh, <laughs> stay focused on the task at hand. All right, so uh, 
you guys have looked at the truck and got what you could out of it. Uh, you, so Dr. Andrews has a piece of paper, the registration for the vehicle, and a crowbar. And then you have the electric torch you grabbed. A couple of road flares. And some road flares. <clears throat> and you head off towards the installation itself, which to remind you, you went into a central hallway, which had many connecting rooms. Each of them seemed to serve some purpose beyond your understanding. As a 1920s individual, there were devices in there that you did not know what they were for, aside from the, the ones that had a kinship to modern radio equipment. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, if you go to the very end, you would exit out the back right by the radio tower where it had that almost electrical hum that you didn't hear so much as you felt in your body. And then you had the descending stairwell that you know leads to the procession hall. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that rail goes around to the cold storage room that Dr. Andrews has spoken about. And the procession hall leads to death. As we found. At Zogwa. Well, well, at the very least, a, a terrible flea <laughs> for everyone involved. Of course, there is the wall of gate boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Once again, I'd like to try and take note of a few more symbols. Okay. Uh, as part of my ongoing, you know, trying to yeah. learn. You and Wintmeyer are hard at work at that. So for the future, you'll just create as many as, you know, as accurate as you can. And then you'll have to like hunt down a cryptologist or yeah. something of that nature to help you try to break the code. But yeah, you're in the midst of doing that. And uh, you see that pulse come through right by your feet. Uh, in this case, it, it doesn't run down in the procession hall. It just goes back to where Dr. Andrews said the cold storage area was. Huh. All right. Um, should we investigate? Yeah. 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 Um, I'll hand Mr. Whitmire the torch. <laughs> say, He's leading the way. Yep. I'll have one of my, I'll have a road flare in, in one hand. Not lit, but. Yeah. So you go into this cold storage room, which is actually the chamber outside of this giant refrigerator and the door is currently closed. And that's where Dr. Andrews had said all of these bodies were laying in some sort of translucent material or not laying, but they were hanging on hooks and they were covered in some sort of translucent bag. Okay. Yeah. Are they still there? Well, uh, so yeah, I guess you're used to seeing it. It is a sand loss. You could offer warning that, that maybe it's not, it's up to you if you get the stomach for it. It's a little disturbing. Well, I think we should push forward anyway. Okay. Uh, yeah. It might be good to, to at least know who we may be dealing with as these people. So mm-hmm. taking stock of all the different bodies there. Okay. Uh, so I don't think we'll find anybody that will, that will recognize. I would hope not at least because those skins are probably in use, but we definitely... Uh, try and catalog as many faces as possible or rem- to remember in case we see them out in the real world. But I'll I'll do I'll open it and kind of step out of the way so that uh, Whitmire can <laughs> shine the light in there as I open it. All right. So yeah, Whitmire, you it is worth a, a sanity roll to see a corpse. So go ahead and throw that out for me. You've but seen plenty of those. You have seen plenty. You know we should probably work in this next session on giving you the, the criminal like starter package. I think that that gives you some bonus against the sanity loss stuff for corpses and 
violent acts. But uh, anyhow, so yeah, you're you're fine with it. It is somewhat disturbing to see that many bodies arrayed in such a way. And are you going to continue to uh, stay outside the room? Or no, I'll go in. Okay. Just so, saying. Yep. Oof. Yeah, maybe it's the clinical way in which they're displayed that distracts you from that much human death in one place. And it's not necessarily gruesome, but Dr. Andrews, you know this configuration has changed a little bit. Some of the bodies that you expected to be here are now gone, and it seems like new ones are hanging Mm -hmm. in their place. Yeah, some of these bodies are different than what I saw. Well, if we're right in our assumption that they're using these bodies for their purposes, then it makes sense that some would be in use at any given time. Yeah, and uh, now do I... So I blacked out when the Dark Hunter came in, but I looked beyond it to see the right. reality. Now, do I remember that part? Yeah. So then, I, then I'll say, and where, what reality they're in use in is a question that we don't have an answer to. This is one of the first times he's like acknowledged <laughs> like some some sort of grand, mm-hmm. <laughs> grand scheme. So, but well, I'll, I will like just look at the names of the ones yeah. that I see are different and see if anything stands out. I would say, Mister Monroe, that you are reminded uh, that Mister Blackman did have a certain amount of trepidation when it came to the Dark Hunter. So you're not certain if they would use them in that capacity, mm-hmm. if at all. You know, I mean that's a pretty big inference, but. It has been supposed or in the back of your head, like, well, why, why would, why would he caution against it? You know. Yeah. Well, we know that at least one person that summoned it went insane, right. and he seems surprised that I survived my <laughs> encounter with him. So I'm going to assume that it's a, a dangerous thing to do, right? And it seems like they used other people to summon it, who would then themselves suffer the consequences instead. All right, so you look at the names and none of them strike you as anybody you know, Dr. Andrews, except for one Peter Fallon, a detective at the police department. Oh, no. There's um, the Detective Fallon here. So Remember how we used to think he was not a good guy? Yeah. And then determined that he is? Yeah. Well, his body's here now. Same... Uh, you know, poison. Or, yeah. Yeah. You quickly locate nerve. Yeah. Where this uh, neurotoxin was delivered mm-hmm. or what you suspect is a neurotoxin. And I'm absolutely certain that he's, this body is not breathing. Right. 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 Okay. Something for us to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so you had mentioned that there were certain bodies that you expected to see here that aren't. Uh, do we have, do we know which ones are missing that would at least stand out to him? Yeah, uh, Sammy Park, the outfielder, mm-hmm. his body's gone. Uh, so is that of the nuns. I forget her name off the top of my head. Yeah, um, what was her name? Are there any kind of empty sp- yeah, slots? Yeah, there's, like, like there's there. still spots that where more bodies could be hung. Well, like um, almost like in the array of, of bodies, are there ones that, that look like there should be something there that's missing? Like, uh, like they're like they've been taken out after they've been placed. I, yeah, I mean, you, I guess you could you could say that. So, just kind of thinking, like if if you were to say look at a shelf, right? And there were you know all the shelves were full except for like two or three spots. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it doesn't seem like. Uh, I mean, they they can these hooks seem to be on tracks, so they can move the bodies uh, okay. back and forth on the tracks. But 
Linda Williamson yeah. was the nun. And I do have to throw one little wrinkle in there pending a, a medicine roll, Dr. Andrews. Okay. Well, it's not extreme. What's your what's your base skill? Uh, uh, 83. 80, yeah. Okay, so you're you're absolutely certain that they're not breathing or alive, but you do recall a story, well, actually several stories you read in med school, particularly with children that had apparently frozen to death and were pronounced dead, Mm -hmm. but then revived. So you do know it's not well understood, but maybe there is a process in which they're just deeply frozen, still living, but that just kind of confuses you, but yeah, uh, it, it is something, you know, and, um, Mr. Whitmire, you know Peter Fallon because you had found that he had taken some money from Francis Walsh. Correct. Right. So, but according to Detective Nichols, he had been on vacation. Well, seems like he's not having that great of a time. Um, so, yeah, I'll be mentally noting as many names as I can. Okay. Um, and is there an exit to this chamber? Yeah, yeah. And once again, Dr. Andrews can caution you that the site beyond is more horrible. What was the site beyond? The, like, suspended animation chamber, or like a yeah, breeding pit. Yeah, there was, like, a kind. breeding... It's it's pretty disturbing. But I think it's like, it's like a hatchery of some sort. That would make They're sense. in these... They're in this liquid and they're suspended and one of them was open. Well, the dog? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I suppose if there were a race of lizard people that needed to continue to procreate, then that would be uh, something. Um, perhaps take a look. Yeah, I mean, you guys might see something that I didn't. Um, but yeah, on the hooks that didn't have people, did they have any names on them or anything like that? Like. No, no. Okay. The uh, the names were kind of like a toe. T- it wasn't on their toe. It was around their wrist. Okay. But you could see the label through the translucent material that they were stored in. Yeah. So, yeah, you carry on uh, all the while descending. You know, it's, it's at a slope so that stairs aren't necessary. But you do get the distinct impression that you are going ever downward. And you enter a large chamber from which are dangling by your count or Dr. Andrews' count when he was here, were 21 translucent yellow pods. And they're swaying slightly in a humid mist that pours from apertures in the ceiling. And you recall the plantation you had gone through with the stalks. It's the same mechanism, some sort of humidifying thing, because you feel the temperature change when you come in here. It's warmer. Uh, You can chew the air if you want to. Uh, And there's one, one of these pods is brown and leathery and it's torn open and appears to be empty and you just see the hints of dark shapes floating in the midst of the other pods okay and that is also worth a sanity roll for the two of you that haven't been here Whew, that was a close one mr whitmire let's see how you hold up Ooh. okay so it's worth 1d6 sanity loss do i take any or no it's a zero on success okay Oh, dang. This is like a day for max sanity loss. Okay. So with that six loss, you enter potentially a temporary bout of madness. But if you fail an intelligence roll, you are dumb enough not to put it together. (laughs) Uh, 
<laughs> Beautifully done. <laughs> yeah. So the the spectacle is just too odd, too inhuman, uh, too out of this world for you to make any dire implications on what it is. I figure so you just it's like one of those uh uh, I don't know if it's like optical illusion where you're supposed to see one of two things, except you look at it right. and you don't see either. <laughs> and so you study it for a while and then you just, eh, oh well, and move on. Yeah. Yeah. You still take the six loss. You just don't enter the temporary bout of madness. But again, you you see that pulse run under your feet through this room to an exit beyond uh, a further descent into the earth. Well, should we follow it? Yeah, I did, this is a different way than I went, right? This is where you were pulled out of the dream Yeah, the last time. See, I suppose look for another exit. To, yeah, yeah, there's one beyond the uh, the hanging pods. That's where the pulse ran to. Yeah. From behind you. And there's no kind of mechanisms or anything in here that we can... No, this uh, everything in here seems distinctly biological, you know, that whatever process is occurring. Okay you know, has that either it's like some kind of like an egg, a translucent, translucent egg or, or some other thing, you know, maybe like a cocoon. You're not, you're not certain without the biological training to make heads or tails of it. Okay. So yeah, then I guess there's not much for us to do. Now, how many are in here? There are 21 total, 20 that are occupied and one that was torn open. One's torn open. Was that torn open the last time you were here? Yeah, there was one, right? right there was one yeah. that was open. Um, like, I'll go touch another one. Okay. Like the the sack or the glass, whatever it is that it's, like, see, feel what, what that material is. Right hand or yeah, left hand? Right hand. Because <laughs> I should mention, when you are in the stream, your hand isn't bandaged anymore. Oh, okay. Or wounded. Yeah. Well... It is. It has the appearance as though it was wounded long ago. Yeah, you know, it's reduced okay. and covered in uh, tight scar tissue. Okay. Well, so, so yeah, it whatever. Hand, I probably okay. would have the crowbar in my right hand, so I'd use my left okay. hand. All right. Um, to feel it. <clears throat> if you manifest a wizard person back in McCracken's home, that would be an awesome way to end the session. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the Kraken's just watching us and suddenly they're Yeah. There's a Well, uh so let's get a power roll from you, Brandon. We're gonna get a power success one of these times. <laughs> okay. I don't know if he's lucky right. on, on failing these or, or unlucky. Yeah. Well, it is never certain whether or not you want to fail or succeed in Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh you touch it and uh nothing out of the ordinary happens, except that, you know, whatever's inside this serpent folk does seem to have some subconscious sense of its pod being touched and it sort of floats close to the edge of it. And mm. for those the watching, you just see a half-lidded reptilian eye that is looking everywhere the way like an, un like if you catch one time, uh, Brandon had fallen asleep on the couch and he had fallen asleep with his on his arm like this and it was pulling up this <laughs> eyelid so i got to see his sleeping eye and it's just looking like everywhere not focusing on anything so that's what you see is just this unconscious uh eye movement okay. you know so okay 
Thanks for the. Yeah, that's a, the, a good image. The mythos horror in the past. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. <laughs> but my kids do the same thing when they fall asleep. You just see the, they're just sort of rolling around, you know, not focusing on anything, but then it drifts back into the liquid and just becomes an indiscernible dark shape. Yeah. Okay. Roughly the size of a human, you know, mm-hmm. but reptilian. And what does the material feel like? Is it like, does it feel like glass or something pliable? It feels pliable. Okay. It feels like a leather almost, like okay. a supple leather. All right. Well, let's, I can't, I don't know what I've learned here, but let's, <laughs> let's move on. So beyond that room. Unless we want to try to kill one. I don't think we're quite there yet. Okay. Although we should remember this room for if we do decide to use the dynamite. Yeah. So beyond that room is the mirror of this one. And then again, and then again, as you guys have this descending horror of how many of these things are being bred or sleeping, you just go through pod room after pod room, but you see the flash occur again. Uh, it's a it's a linear path through these pod rooms, and finally, when you exit, you've begun to lose or to lose count. You get the sensation that you've come into a very large underground space. You don't have that sixth sense of of close earth around you, but that it's opened up in a way. Mm. You know the uh, the acoustics change. The way your your feet hit the ground has an echoey quality to it, and you have this sense of vast distance. But at that moment, you see the burst of light come from behind you, from underneath your feet. But it also comes from elsewhere in this vast space, converging into a central point deep into the valley of this cavern. And for one brief moment, you see the translucent translucent image of a, a four-story structure of, you know, maybe construction in the last century sort of appear at the center point. Now, you don't know if it disappears or if it just becomes dark and you can't see it anymore. But all of these flashes of light seem to converge on this space. Do we recognize the building at all in any way? Um, Like, does it look like it would fit into a city like Boston or... Yeah, give me an education roll. You have a bonus die on that one, Dr. Andrews. You want that from all of us? Yeah. (laughs) Go Jimmy. Making up for that failed education role. Yeah, apparently. 87 versus 9. Yeah. Yeah. So you all identify it as it would fit into Boston. And in your case, Mr. Whitmire, you haven't seen it personally, but you did see an image of it in a clipping that Wayne Nichols gave to you, and it was purported to be the clubhouse of Porcelain. That's what I was wondering. The barn? The barn, yeah. <laughs> all right. As all, I will say that then, is that this, that looks like the barn. Hmm. Maybe we should have and, gone there. Yeah. Well, that definitely gives us a place to yeah. to look after we make our visit to the sanitarium tomorrow. All right. So the last image of this session, if you guys can imagine it, is you're standing on a ridge, an underground ridge, looking into this wide open space with this somewhat translucent 
version of the barn at the center of it. And when these flashes of light come in along what you think are the ley lines, it lights up beyond you. And we just see the three dark silhouetted images of our investigators standing on that ridge, looking down at it. And that is where we'll close today's session. And we'll pick it up next time. Thanks for playing, guys. Nice. Thank you. Thank you, man. All right. Did we get any skill checks? There's a lot of failures, I felt like, today. (laughs) I I did succeed on a couple. This has been a Death Watch production. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.